This is your wake-up call. The year is 2021. It is no longer safe to transmit information. Phones, computers, and satellites are all vulnerable, but there is a solution. Your storage capacity? I can carry nearly 80 gigs of data in my head. Input the data into the brain of a human courier, like Johnny Mnemonic. Hit me. Fit all that in your head anyway. I had to dump a chunk of long-term memory. You had to dump a chunk of what? My childhood. What are you doing? Making a long-distance phone call. I've got the goods, Ralphie. Now I just want to get them out of my head. Now, in a future... We locked on him. ...where those who control the information control the world. I've been charged with recovering the head of the mnemonic courier. Everyone wants what is stored in Johnny's head. Double cheese anchovies? Charlie! They were waiting for me, Ralphie. Time is running out. I'm a dead man if I don't get this out of my head. If I can get it out. How? A cranial drill and a pair of forceps. For the future's most wanted fugitive. Shoot me. Not in the head. Johnny Mnemonic. Welcome to They Call This a Movie, testing the strength of friendships one terrible movie at a time. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and other podcast services by searching They Call This a Movie. We are part of the Main Damie Network, and to find more from us, check out the website at themaindamie.com or on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at themaindamie. We are also now a proud member of Geek Fives Nation. You can find them at gbnation.com. Welcome back to They Call This a Movie. This is Anthony Delvecchi, and with me as always is Dan Aquino and Mark Meyer. Say hello, gentlemen. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Hello. So, uh, we've chosen two movies back-to-back here, if my timing is correct, that are way too close to what's going on yes. <laughs> in our real life. Yes, well, very much so. I was going to so. say, if another worldwide plague hits after this releases, we need to stop doing this podcast immediately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So if you're listening to this at this point, RoboCop has come out already, regardless of when this drops, and we broke America? <laughs> <laughs> I think RoboCop was the last straw that broke the camel's back, really. Yeah. Just... We, we pushed our power too far. We did. Really, really felt awkward to drop that on January 7th. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. And it's we should have picked something. Well, if we had known in advance to help the nation heal. Yeah. I don't know if this is the movie to help it heal, really. Right. 
That, this one's definitely not it. Uh, <laughs> maybe next week, but probably not based on <laughs> right. what we're thinking. <laughs> yeah, now, uh, 2021 is just going to be us fearing for what are we going to break next. Yeah. <laughs> but before we get into this week's movie, gentlemen, what have you watched? Well, I started watching the third season of Cobra Kai. Haven't gotten too far into that, about three episodes. And I've noticed the children are awful at karate there, there's a, i don't have you guys watched cobra kai yes yes so, I have not. okay so the kid who plays miguel is actually pretty good he's a yes. pretty good martial artist everyone else like in miyagi do is terrible i feel like we could beat them in karate that's it, how bad they are their moves are very choreographed it's very dance like yes. so they're not swinging for the fences it's not it's not like they, they're trying to make these look good and like look like these hits are going to hurt mm-hmm. it's like I think it is a weakness of the show. I think it's a, the show's a lot of fun regardless. Oh yeah. But yeah, I definitely see what you're you're talking about. It's very campy and I, I buy into the camp. William Zapka, I don't I can't believe he hasn't done anything from like karate kid to this. Because yeah. he's awesome. I love him. He's so good in it. Yeah. Martin Cove is so good in it. He steals the third season for me. I watched it, the I watched the whole third season over the weekend. That's Crease, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's great. Such a good villain. Yeah. Everybody is better than Ralph Macchio. I'd lo- <laughs> <Yeah. I'm, laughs> like, no offense to Ralph Macchio, but like no, I, you know. he's not he's not what's keeping me watching. I think people came to see Daniel Son when it first came out, and now they're staying for the uh the Crease Johnny storylines. Yeah. And definitely well deserved. They those guys are awesome. So I, I watched that. I watched this show called The Truth Seekers. Okay. on amazon i don't know if you gentlemen have ever seen that nope uh, that's simon Pegg and nick frost okay it's basically paranormal investigators solid show and after watching this movie i thought to myself this seems like it wants to be big trouble in little china so i watched big trouble in little china but yeah you know parts of it are definitely especially the like the yakuza type mm-hmm. of storyline like yeah this is kind of Big Trouble in Little China-ish. It's not okay. 100%, but I, I had that vibe from it. So that's essentially all I've watched. Okay. by you, Mark? Nothing in the sense of traditional movies and all this week. Stuff-wise, it was the speedrun thing, the awesome games done quick. So that's been on my TV while I've been on vacation, just playing through. And then also I've been writing a lot for Stranger Damies. So, you know, I haven't really been able to sit down outside of watching this movie to do anything besides that. But yeah, just watch some... Really funny things occur in in terms of the the, the games on quick, which is always fun if you're. I know so often I bring up video games here and you're like wrong podcast, but truly it is the only thing I've been watching this week. It's been pretty interesting, but most of my effort going towards the other podcast we have that comes out before this. So hopefully it was worth it this week while I was on vacation to to concentrate on that. Okay, for me, I watched both the first two prequels of star wars so i watched phantom Mm -hmm. menace and attack of the clones for some reason i don't know i don't know why i did it i just did it i I don't actually think i've ever watched attack of the clones well it's the worst one you did it because you wanted to fire off some hot takes (laughs) that's why in reality so the week before which i never actually mentioned on the podcast i watched through the original three watched through star wars watched through empire strikes back watched return of the jedi so then i was like you know what i'm gonna keep this going I guess I'm just trying to avoid watching The Mandalorian because I still haven't watched a single episode of The Mandalorian. But I'm like, 
watching Mandalorian adjacent stuff, which is all the stuff that came before it. So I watched The Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, and I did have some hot takes, specifically that Qui-Gon Jinn is the reason for the Empire. We we got into it a little bit on Twitter. I, I vehement, vehemently? Is that how you pronounce it? I don't even know anymore. You've butchered it too much. I did. <laughs> I really don't like that opinion. Yeah. Is what Maybe I'm we'll have to set that. up some Patreon episodes and have a longer discussion about that. That would be fun. Yes. Too long, too long for this for this podcast we'll, we'll bring our receipts yes so i watched those two then i watched the high note which was hbo's movie of the week which is dakota johnson plays the assistant of like this huge oh. pop star played oh, by it's the trace one with diana ross yes tracy ellis ross yeah. and she plays her assistant who's trying to make it as a producer and stuff like that very light movie so it's like something to put on a saturday i like the t- Dakota Johnson, I liked her since Ben and Kate, for all my Ben and Kate fans out there. It was fine. It was a nice, it was a hundred minutes. So, you know, nice and easy. Kills almost less than two hours. So I watched that. It was fine. I feel like I didn't, I watched something else, but I also started the history of swear words or whatever history of swear words, the Nicolas Cage, the series on Netflix, which is even lighter and even dumber. Yeah. And it's got Nicolas Cage in it. So is it just Nicolas Cage reading off swear words, essentially? So what it is, it goes through like the entomology of these of swear words. So first first show is about fuck and it brings on comedians to talk about fuck. And it also brings on like this woman, this one woman that they interview has maybe the coolest job ever. She works. For, she works for the dictionary, by first of all. And her specialty is swear words, profanity. She gets paid for that. She gets paid for that to hmm. write the dictionary. Webster's dictionary. I believe so. I believe it was Webster's dictionary. Yes. Interesting. Like, I mean, you and would think there's not much job security there. I don't know. But she specializes in profanity. That's that's great. <laughs> so, yeah, she gets Street to kind job. of walk around just saying fuck and all those things. Yeah. Wow. So I think we watched like three episodes yesterday. It's, they're like half hour episodes. It's kind of mindless if you're interested. I, I feel like we could just get rid of her job. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like once you do it, it's done, right? Yeah. But I, how do you keep, how did she, who did she con and how did she do it <laughs> to stay in that job for 30 plus years or however well, long? Uh, she seemed pretty young, so maybe she doesn't hasn't had it very long. But I mean, like language is always evolving, man. God damn <laughs> <laughs> what was her official title title uh swear word curator what like what is she man that's what my i probably put that on my business card that's what i would say <laughs> i'm a curator of profanities <laughs> <laughs> i don't get it uh whatever <laughs> good for her that led to a question on there which was interesting what your favorite swear word is Ooh. I think a lot of people always lean toward the F word, right? That'd be fuck, right? Yeah, it's so, it has so much versatility in it. Yeah, and that is one thing that they go uh, they talk about during during that episode it is the versatility of fuck. Right, it's a noun. Yeah, it's a verb. <laughs> yeah, then they had like Sarah Silverman on. They had Jim Jeffries talking about it. Nikki Glaser, I think, like a whole bunch of comedians. Uh, uh, Nikki Glaser. So she was probably talking about some pretty risque stuff. I, I'm assuming. Yeah, I mean, she was on there. She was on there for like the bitch episode. And... Okay. So we watched fuck, watched bitch, and shit. Why is Nicolas Cage doing this? <laughs> I don't know. He's the comedians. He's he's, a, he's like the present. He's like the presenter, like he's... the Rod Serling of it, if you will. <laughs> he's he's got to he's got to pay off that pyramid still. Yeah. yeah. 
I they, can't touch, they can't touch the pyramid, man. Yeah. IRS can't come for your headstone. We've we've talked about this on the podcast. <laughs> That's the one IRS thing you get to keep. touch your grave. <laughs> well, I I got to check that out because that does sound interesting. Sounds like there's some pretty cool people on there. Yeah, very light. Don't watch with your parents, kind of thing. Yeah. Yes. Understood. And I think that's all. Yeah, that was quick. But I did watch a few movies this week, so that's fun. And I did watch Cobra Kai Season 3. I watched the whole thing. And I think that's it. So before we get into this week's movie, we're going to take a quick break and listen to some ads. So we will be right back. And welcome back. And now it's time to get into our movie of the week. This week it was Mark's pick. So Mark is the one that subjected us to this. Mark, you want to introduce this week's movie? Yes, I chose Johnny Mnemonic. Basically, it's a movie I saw when it first came out, so I've been interested to go back and revisit it since I've seen more cyberpunk-type movies and video games and things, just to see how much either the creators took from it or just trying to remember how much it was close to, to Blade Runner and stuff like that. But And it also coincided with me finishing the video game Cyberpunk 2077 with one Keanu Reeves, who's also in this movie. He's gotten better as an actor. I can say that much <laughs> even from this movie to, to that to the video game. But I was very interested. A lot of the stuff you see hasn't really evolved in what people think of these futuristic cyber worlds. I can draw parallels to a lot of things in both the video game Deus Ex and, and Cyberpunk specifically which I don't know if this is a thing of the genre or if it was in Blade Runner, because I forget that wire that the one guy pulls out that sort of cuts the guy's heads off mm-hmm. um, is actually a weapon in Cyberpunk, the video game. So we pulled it out. I was like, oh, they get that from this movie? Or is that just a thing that I don't realize? But I thought it fit right in with things that were going on in terms of, of all the mainstream news with the video game and Cyberpunk discourse is out there again as a genre. So I thought it fit. Okay. Okay. Well, Dan, where are you coming from with Johnny Mnemonic? I had never seen it before, but I was interested in seeing this movie. Uh, Someone had posted about it on Twitter some time back. And I like Keanu Reeves. Who doesn't like Keanu Reeves now? But it's strange to remember that really not too long ago, he was considered, he was kind of a joke. Uh He, He had a string of movies where he was just like, Probably the worst part of that movie. Yeah. yeah. It was like Devil's Advocate, Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula. He was not great. And this was kind of around the same time. What This came out in 95, Five. I believe. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, he's he was on that string of movies where, again, he wasn't really the best part of it. Yeah, this one was tough. This is probably the most wooden I've seen him act in this movie. It's painful at times. And yeah. I was so interested in seeing this. And this one really let me down. I'm very crestfallen on this one. (laughs) Again, because you see you see something like this and it's an interesting concept. The whole cyberpunk espionage martial arts. To me, it was a total swing and a miss. Gotcha. I'd never seen this movie before. It's always kind of been like in the ether. I remember it from like the early Internet days of it being a thing. And yeah, it's ooh, it was tough to get through. I watched these movies twice, once kind of like to just watch it to watch it. Second time I, it was when I write my notes and I pushed off writing the notes for this till the very last minute. I think there was 15 minutes left when I finished this movie before I, I got on to do this podcast. So it's fresh in my mind. 
and it's just boring <laughs> like it's yep. uh, once you get past how prophetic some of these things were where they just kind of guessed and they landed like there's no way to know of certain, some certain things but it's a lot of keanu meeting people them telling him he's gonna die and then he's like well fuck that and then he goes somewhere else with jane so it it's very repetitive and yeah i don't really have much more to say it's like it's very bland mm. it's ugly it's kind of ugly looking oh very ugly looking yeah not quite the grinch ugly looking but still pretty ugly looking yeah <laughs> it, it's yeah, not enough neon <laughs> yeah <laughs> i watched this movie twice as well the, the first time i watched it i was kind of tired and this movie definitely didn't help that i, I didn't <laughs> no. it didn't pull me in so I, I thought you know what i might i was probably in the wrong headspace watching it the first time i'll give it another go and this time i'm fully awake and again i i, I saw myself like my eyes were getting heavy like, oh man this that's not a good sign I, i'm wide awake now and then all of a sudden johnny mnemonic it's like quaaludes <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's kind of like a less fun tank girl like in terms of the aesthetic yeah. okay yeah yeah <laughs> that's, the... that's very true yeah, the only thing that made me chuckle a little bit throughout it is just remembering all the people that were in this movie. Like, out of nowhere, Ice-T shows up. I think he was in Tank Girl, too, wasn't he? Yeah. I think he might have been. He's yeah. a kangaroo yeah. man. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, and then Henry Rollins early on. And it was just like, oh, right, this would have been that era. He was <laughs> when Black Flag or something like that. Yeah, yeah. When, like, okay, this is when he would be getting started, and same with Ice-T. He hasn't made the Law & Order switch yet. The only, like, exciting, like, you know, in terms of good writing or good, you know, cyberpunk genre writing was the whole speech that Rollins has when he's yelling at Johnny. Or, oh, about you know, how... About the Black Shakes. He's like, yeah. this is what causes it. This and this. And it, it's all, all around this. us, man. We can't use it. We're just so addicted to it. I was like, oh, man, that's hitting way too close to home. <laughs> you just replaced the black shakes with social media. <laughs> Essentially. Yeah. yeah. And it was just like, that was like, oh, it was like, that's. And then the rest of it is just like somebody had a leftover martial arts spy script with some future stuff in it. And that just boring. Not anything really exciting. They even get a Ghost in the Machine reference for somebody that like vaguely knew internet cyber stuff at the time you know just that terminology and it was just like how many of these little things from that era of of internet can we get in and that's what just made it boring there wasn't much there story-wise mm -hmm. you know what probably could have lifted out of this script the dolph lundgren character yep. the street preacher served no purpose other than to just be kind of a thorn in johnny's side yeah, yeah. and it's only really like twice yeah you, you don't need them because you have the, the freaking Yakuza. Yeah. Are they it, not badass enough? It feels yeah. like I have a feeling that in maybe the first draft or second draft of the script, he was more like his story was a little more prominent just because they make that reference that he's just all cyber. Like sure. maybe he was like a cautionary tale or something in the world or mm -hmm. something like that. And then they were just like, why do we need this? And then I they think the it. cautionary tale should have been when they realize they wrote a freaking cybernetic dolphin into the movie. That should have been their well, they, cue. They needed like, more time the for the dolphin. What are we doing? Yeah. yeah, that's why they cut Dolph Lundgren. You know, <laughs> that's when I, I mean, unfortunately, it's the last third of the movie when they introduce Echo, the cybernetic dolphin. Excuse but, me, Jones. <laughs> right, Jones. But that's when I, I officially checked out the first time I watched it. Yeah. I was like, okay. 
I'm I've had enough of this. It oh. reminded me of the reveal in the South Park Cartoon Wars episode oh, when Family Guy was written by the manatees. <laughs> they just pick balls out of a, a tank, right? Yeah. Just how for an iced tea, right? Because Jones is is linked to Ice T in terms of how they they know each other. Mm-hmm. Ice T is a bad motherfucker, right? Yep. He's he's hard. He doesn't mess around. How could you? I know it's called acting, but how could you pull the shroud off of the tank, <laughs> see a cybernetic dolphin, and not just say fuck this? <laughs> I guess they paid him a lot of money. I hope so. <laughs> I sincerely hope so, because at that point, even as an actor, you just kind of have to say, why? Yeah. yeah. His agent There's really is probably nothing like, else we could have done. His agent's probably like, it's got this It's got this kid, Keanu Reeves, he's up and coming. You want to be like in a movie with him so, you know, people connect you. You were that guy in that Keanu Reeves movie. Well, yeah. that, that's not that's not untrue, because this is a yeah. year after, this is his first movie after Speed. So yeah. that's when Keanu blew up. I wonder how many takes it took for him to not laugh when pulling that shroud off. If that was like an actual, if that dolphin was actually in that tank, which I think it was. Oh, it was, yeah, it was like a puppet. Yeah. Pup- yeah. Ice-T's a fucking professional, man. That's true. He's got that shit. Now, now you know, speaking of Tank Girl and how he w- was a kangaroo man in that, which movie do you think he regrets more? Johnny Mnemonic or Tank Girl? Probably this one. Because at least so. Tank Girl's got a cult following. Yeah, that's true. And it, it was at least a comic book prior to that. Yeah. So it, it had a little bit of a following, like you said. But yeah, this was, uh, oof. <laughs> he, he probably, he accepted that check and was wiped out of his memory. <laughs> so Johnny Mnemonic, directed by Robert Longo, who has directed a few music videos, including two for R.E.M. and an episode of Tales from the Crypt. This is his only feature and his last credit. He is an artist by trade, made his name in the 80s with a series called Men in the Cities. It stars Keanu Reeves, Dina Mayer, Ice-T, Takeshi Kitano, Dennis Akiyama, Dolph Lundgren, Henry Rollins, Barbara Sokova, Udo Kier, and Tracy Tweed. IMDb score of 5.7 and a Rotten Tomato score of 12. Budget, $26 million. They spent $26 fucking million dollars on this movie. <laughs> It, well, you had to you had to spend that money on those awesome graphics at the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah it was at least five million on the dolphin. <laughs> right, training it and putting the cybernetic decals on it. What if they just like they sunk fifteen million dollars trying to t- train a dolphin, and then they're just like, <laughs> "Fuck it, let's just make a puppet." <laughs> right. Yeah. And also, Ant, we have to say happy birthday to Robert Longo. Today is oh, his birthday. birthday. <laughs> Today is his birthday. I don't know if you did that on purpose or not, but. I 100% did not. Uh, happy birthday, Robert Longo. He's born in uh, 1953. There you go. Box office, $19 million. So it did not make its money back. Yeah. This. <laughs> what do Again, you say we get to the plot and we just go home? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let, let's let's just soldier through this one. I, I, it's There are some ideas in it. It's just, it's so, the mid-90s is such an interesting time mm-hmm. for the internet and yes. what the inter what they hoped the internet would be or thought it would be and just so many movies just don't hold up and there are things again the first five the the, the title crawl at the beginning of this movie oh. is 100 percent the world we're living in right now yeah. 
but everything else is just so lawnmower manny yeah that's a good point i i thought especially the end when johnny goes into uh, what well, he goes into the uh he goes into the internet the internet so he hacks like his he, brain hacks yeah, his right. own brain <laughs> so that that was I, I just had flashbacks of lawnmower man like this is i mean lawnmower man had better graphics than this but not by much <laughs> All right, let's get into the plot. Dan, what do you got for us? All right, so just want to give a quick shout out to our good friend Tia and rep her podcast, The Top Ten with Tia. It's a weekly podcast where Tia and her friends get together. They recite their top ten lists of the week. So it's uh, every Sunday. You can follow her on Twitter at TC underscore Stark. And you could also check her out at Geek Vibes Nation. She does a lot of awesome geek articles and some movie reviews, so uh, please check that out. Okay, great. And we're going to take a quick commercial break, and then we're going to be back with the plot for Johnny Mnemonic. Hey, this is Ken M. Padawan J. Coach Duffy. From the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour podcast. Every week, the ODPH is talking sports, movies, TV, comics, and more. It's always a parlay of topics on each episode. You can find the ODPH on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, and wherever you find great podcasts, such as the one you're listening to right now. Don't forget to check out OchoGuroParleyHour.com, where you can find the links to all of the ODPH social media accounts, links to the bands whose music you hear each week on the show, hashtag 607 podcast info, and parlay points, our companion block section of the show. Thanks for listening to the ODPH. Now get back to your regularly scheduled podcast. Welcome, travelers. Seems like you're looking for a story. Well, I got one for you. It involves adventure, friendship, and all hey, sorts hey, of... Hey, uh, Earl, why don't you tell him about that time I stole that big-ass melon? Yeah, yeah, I, I was going for more... Or you epic. could tell him about the time I kicked your ass, Earl. I wouldn't ever tell him Do about I need to get time. my ref gear on? Okay, everyone, shut up. Now come with me as I tell you a story from afar. Hey everybody, my name's David. I'm the DM for From Afar Podcast. A From Afar Podcast is all about four friends separated by distance, brought together by adventure. Hope you all stop by and give us a listen. Thanks. And welcome back, and now it's time to get into the plot for Johnny Mnemonic. We open on a title crawl, and guess what? It's 2021 and corporations rule. And oh yeah, yeah and oh yeah, there's a virus. Take that, Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> It, it always strikes me as as odd when someone is like so spot on. Part of me wants to think maybe there is some some sort of time travel that's going on. Uh, if there was time travel and they went back in time to write Johnny Mnemonic, that'd be disappointing. What a waste. <laughs> you get one shot at, at time travel and this is what you bring out of it. Yeah. Uh, resistance movement is happening online. And in response, corporations have hired the Yakuza as protection. And there are agents that smuggle information in their brains, known as mnemonic agents. Then we get some some sweet VR that signifies Internet 2021. Basically a bunch of electrical synapses going through a mainframe until we pull out on a digital alarm clock. We see Keanu Reeves wakes up in a hotel room as a beautiful woman gets dressed and leaves. Johnny seems to be a blank slate, but that could just be Keanu Reeves. Doesn't even know where he comes from. Yeah, that, that's what I meant earlier when I said this might be the most wooden he's ever acted. Yeah. He, he seems so uninterested in this scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where are you from? Would you believe me if I told you I don't know? <laughs> oh, great, great line read. I'm imagining that the director's notes or was 
All right, Keanu, Johnny has information put into his brain and he had to take out his memory to be able to do it. How would that character act? He said action and then Keanu did that. He was like, I guess we'll go with it. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, again, Robert Longo is not a director by trade. So it's entirely possible he had no idea what the fuck he was doing on set. Yeah. The girl leaves and Johnny uses a video phone to call a guy named Ralphie about a procedure johnny wants a full restoration he's trying to get out of the mnemonic game essentially ralphie has one last job for johnny in central beijing and then he could go and get that procedure done and this job is a big one it's always the final job yeah that last last score one last score baby that johnny mnemonic had one score until retirement So we cut to there are protests going on. And oh, good. Everyone is wearing N95s. Johnny hits up an upscale hotel and jacks into his brain to double his brain data capacity. So now he's up to 160 gigabytes. So he can almost have Call of Duty in his brain. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Well, with all the updates, he's going to be lagging really badly. He's got to have the hard copy version. Yeah. (laughs) So he heads up the elevator. Johnny arrives to the hotel room to a bunch of very nervous guys with guns. He introduces himself as Mr. Smith. Look at that, Matrix. His contacts are obviously first-timers, and they are apparently some sort of scientists. They tell him their data is 320 gigabytes, which exceeds his capacity. This can cause data corruption and his death. Johnny says not to worry about it, and they go about downloading the info to Johnny's brain. Johnny gives them some instructions on how to assure that the right people on the other end are going to get this info. It involves a series of pictures that they will download and fax over to the other people. Johnny is not supposed to know about it. Meanwhile, a team of hitmen head up the elevator. The download starts and Johnny starts getting all that info into his brain and he more or less has a seizure in the process. And it finishes and the scientists destroy the original copies by burning them and destroying any discs and all that kind of stuff. Johnny excuses himself to the bathroom where he has some side effects of the process, especially because he's overloaded with information. He's training for the uh, the Matrix in this scene. Pretty much, yeah. It seems like the the test run for the Matrix, really. This this is what that yeah. movie. Do you think the Wachowski saw that scene of him doing, you know, the the breathing and the the Tai Chi movements? Entirely possible that they saw this movie and they're like, let's rip off whatever they wound up ripping off for the Matrix. And they uh, wanted that guy to be the man. Kudos. It worked. (laughs) So while he's in the bathroom, the hitmen burst into the hotel room and start mowing down all the scientists. Meanwhile, Johnny hides in the bathroom. One of the goons goes to check out the bathroom and Johnny throws him through the glass shower door. And then Johnny fights off some of the guys, eventually escaping the hotel room with some goons in pursuit. The goons kill all but one of the scientists, but chop off his arm with some crazy electric garrot wire. And this is Shinji, right? That's the guy's name. Yeah, with the bad Shin- guy? Shinji. Yeah, Shinji, yeah. yeah. That is correct. Yeah. Shinji's got that garrot wire. So he keeps the one scientist alive enough to for that guy to squeal that Johnny is going to Newark to meet up with their contact. Johnny manages to escape with the disguise and arrives in the free city of Newark. Beautiful downtown Newark. (laughs) Gorgeous. Gorgeous place. Yeah. They they got it just right. (laughs) You know, I was happy, you know, we we were joking around how the Wachowskis ripped off of some other movie in this. I'm glad that they didn't rip off the action from Johnny Mnemonic. (laughs) It is so bland. It's very generic. It's very bad. Yeah, the the bathroom scene, he like half-heartedly throws guys around and he's making quips while he does it mm-hmm. again mid 90s so if <laughs> if you didn't take down a bad guy and have a quip ready 
did you really take down the bad guy? <laughs> right. And I, I love his disguise is probably the worst hitman disguise oh, ever. It's, it's a little problematic. <laughs> it looks like it looks like a Borat disguise, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a little strange. Yeah. I, I think I thought he was kind of going for an Asian look. <laughs> I couldn't tell. <laughs> yeah, that's why I was like, ooh, I don't know if this would hold up today. Right. <laughs> it is Beijing, so I suppose that that would make a lot of sense. Yes, that would uh, that would be smart as a <laughs> as a courier or smuggler, all the different names they give to him. Yeah. In Newark, an official and another guy have a conversation about trying to track down the data. This is Takahashi and Shinju from a pharma company, and if they don't preserve Johnny's head, the data will be lost because scientists wiped the pharma company's mainframe. I wonder if the line they say here, if it was because the part where he goes, you know, your Japanese is bad, speak to me in English, that he says to the guy, I'm wondering if that was supposed to be like a, I don't know, like a laugh line in it, or maybe through the, it was like a rewrite or something where that guy's Japanese was really bad. So they just put a line in it so he didn't have to speak Japanese the rest of the movie? I think they just didn't want half their movie in subtitles. That could be true. <laughs> That's how they wanted to introduce it. <laughs> I don't think those two ever speak Japanese or uh, they don't speak anything other than English for the rest of the movie. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to know. This Maybe was... he does. I think he might. The, the, Takahashi? The, yeah, yeah, the older guy. I think he does. But yeah, This was still a time when subtitles were frowned upon in american movies yeah. i mean i think we're just getting around to accepting subtitles now yeah so i mean in 95 you i think you would introduce subtitles and just say okay enough of that we've established that they speak another language everything else in english now yeah exactly johnny talks to ralphie and tells him he's overloaded and needs to get the data out of his head ralphie assures him the right people will be able to get it out of him at a club Henry Rollins talks to Jane, a bodyguard that he's given cyberpunk upgrades to. Jane confronts Ralphie, who hires out bodyguards, and he tells her that he can't use her as a bodyguard because she's basically this world's version of a junkie. She's all overloaded with upgrades, and she can't keep her hands steady. Johnny gets dropped off in a rundown area as Ice-T looks on with a pair of binoculars. The guy approaches Johnny, telling him that he's the contact, but he's not. They're there to intercept Johnny and take his head. So Johnny knocks out the muscle and then sets off an explosive device in order to get away from the other one. Johnny runs and the guys chase after him. Guy chasing Johnny shoots Ice-T's friend, then goes to shoot Ice-T, but Johnny kills him with a shovel. The other <laughs> muscle tries to kill them both, but Ice-T kills him. <laughs> <laughs> the, the only great thing about um, outside of Ice-T might be the best actor in this is that the fact that they felt the need to paint the anarchy symbol or tattoo it onto all the people from Low Tech. As they mm -hmm. go, these are the revolutionaries. Get it? Because anarchy. Anarchy. <laughs> Get it? Yeah. It's like Alyssa Milano's team in, in Double Dragon. Oh, uh, yeah. the electric factory or something like that? Yeah, power or something. <laughs> the, yeah, the power company. or. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, that's it, what it was. PSE&G, I think. <laughs> Ice-T introduces himself as J-Bone and says he runs heaven. Then we cut to Johnny finding Ralphie in, at the club and threatening him with a gun. Ralphie says that it seems like there's been something fishy going on with the drop, like something went wrong, and then Johnny gets knocked out by one of Ralphie's bodyguards. Then Jane sees Ralphie and his bodyguards carrying a knocked-out Johnny through the club, so she follows. Johnny wakes up in a back room, and Ralphie sold him out to the Yakuza, because Shinji is there. Johnny tries to compromise with Shinji, the Yakuza operative, but he tells him he's under orders to take his head. Shinji is about to operate. 
Jane crashes through the ceiling to interrupt. She fights off some of the bodyguards. And Ralphie offers her a day's pay to just move on. But Johnny offers her 20k. She ups it to 50k. He agrees and they run. And Shinji kills Raffi with that garrote thing. And then chases after Jane and Johnny. That's pretty so. bad negotiating on Keanu Reeves' character. <laughs> I'll give you 20. 50. Sold. <laughs> I don't think he felt like there was enough time to say 30. <laughs> 25. <laughs> 35, that's my final offer. 27.5. It's just like Shinji's just waiting. Like, uh... (laughs) We have all day here. Jane and Johnny run through the alleys, eventually making it to J-Bones. So many fucking J's in this movie. Man. Making it to J-Bones, who has an army that protect them and lets them into his hideout, which winds up being in the sewers. Jane decides to stick with Johnny in order to get paid, and he tells her why people are after him. And then he has a seizure. Meanwhile... Takahashi gets some sort of message from a computer woman face telling him that Shinji is planning to kill him and then that the courier Johnny holds info that could be a new purpose in life. Johnny and Jane move through the sewers and Johnny talks about how he can't remember his childhood and he needs a computer in order to dump the data that's going to make his brain explode, essentially. Doesn't he yell at this point at Jane and go, do you have parents? Oh, yeah. It's just like a, it's like a huge screaming match. Yeah. <laughs> because because Jane is pretty much a uh, she's like an echo in this scene. Anytime Johnny says something, she has to repeat it back with a question. <laughs> God, shut up, lady. <laughs> just like we said with this being boring, I, you know, would check out every so often for like 30 seconds or so. And I just remember during this scene being brought back when he yells, do you have parents? <laughs> like, I, I he doesn't Jane realize asks. how people are made. <laughs> yeah, that's, I think because Jane asks if he has parents. Oh, like, okay. Do you have parents? <laughs> <laughs> it's basically just I'm rubber, you're in glue kind of yeah. thing. They're just acting like children. Yeah. They make it to some office that just so happens to have a bunch of equipment for him to jack into the computer system and he gets online. We get some really stupid looking VR scene as Johnny has to do so much work just to make a phone call. He's able to tap into the Beijing hotel to check the records of charges for faxes in order to track down to where the info was sent. Finds out it was a copy shop in Newark. He tracks it all the way to a Dr. Allcom. Tries to get in touch with a guy named Strike that controls a board on the internet. Meanwhile, the Yakuza are tracking him and manage to find him. Put a virus on him and Strike's board. And Johnny sees the woman's face that Takahashi was talking to when she tells him the Yakuza are coming. They escape just before the Yakuza could get to them. So Shinji has to tell Takahashi. And Takahashi calls a bounty hunter by the name <laughs> of the preacher to hunt down Johnny. I, I love Dolph Lundgren. It's, it's like you're trying to piece it together yourself. Yes. So then Takahashi <laughs> is talking to Shinji. But Shinji is talking to... <laughs> the spider and something else is going on with johnny now and there's there's a lot of threads here yeah definitely and this is where dolph Lundgren gets introduced as the preacher johnny uses a futuristic payphone and hacks into the security to call the pharma company to get the data out of his head he arranges a meeting and jane is worried because she thinks they're going to kill him so she plans to put him in touch with a guy named spider and she has some sort of violent convulsions because she has the black shakes, which is a pretty cool name for a disease, yeah. which is the virus. It sounds Johnny... like a dance in the 50s, right? <laughs> the black shakes. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, that, the new Chuck Berry song. Yeah. It sounds like something that you would say that someone's having withdrawals. Yes. Oh, man, that's the black shakes. <laughs> that poor kid. Yeah. 
find that in Kensington. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Johnny puts her in a cab and brings her to Spiders. The cab service in this cyberpunk world is incredible, though. From what I know, <laughs> he takes a cab like everywhere. It's just <laughs> dropping him off. Prompt service. Yep. Spider brings them in, played by Henry Rollins, and puts Jane on the his operating table. He shoots Jane up with some muscle relaxers, and Spider says the black shakes are caused by technology, man. It's all around us. Meanwhile. Just addicted to it, man. Yeah. So he, he's yeah. essentially a hippie. Real deep shit. Pseudo deep shit, I should yeah. say. <laughs> Sounds like you're working for your car, man. <laughs> what, what, what does he tell him? Uh, conceptualize. <laughs> Shine on you, freaky diamond, you. <laughs> this I can't believe like people gave Henry Rollins a shot to act. Yeah, right? Not that he's bad. It's just like he's batshit insane. Yeah. This is probably his Henry Rollins band days. Yeah. I know he wrote a book, and the book was like how to tolerate pain. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean that's Henry Rollins, man. He's he's a nut job, but it, like not a bad nut job. Yeah, he's he's just about that like hardcore life. Yeah, I remember like probably like the early two thousands. He had like like a stand up special too. Yeah, he dabbled in everything. It wasn't funny whatsoever. No, <laughs> but he he was like Donald Glover now. You know, like we're right. Donald Glover. He's a music artist. He's an actor, and he also has a comedy special out, but like Donald Glover is obviously much better at yeah. most of those things. If yeah. not all of those things. You mean to tell me Donald Glover saw Henry Rollins, career and was like, I want to do that. <laughs> who, who am I to say? Maybe he took some inspiration from Henry Rollins. <laughs> this guy's badass. I want to do that. If, if we see Donald Glover getting into tattoo artistry, we'll know for sure. <laughs> Meanwhile, J bone keeps tabs on the preacher. Says he'd take any job for money in order to keep his body full of implants. And then we got some scene with Takahashi. I literally just have in my notes, Takahashi. And then it goes on to the next. I don't remember what, I, <laughs> what the scene was. I think this is when he figures out that there's a ghost in the machine. I think that that's your yeah. thing where they have the speech about the woman who founded something and she died in 2006. Okay. Yeah, yeah I think that this seems, this seems about right, right around here. Meanwhile, Johnny taps into Pharmacon's system from Spider's computers, but Spider tells him to fuck off. Johnny asks him about brain implants. Spider says he doesn't really have any experience with those things. And the preacher talks to a guy named Hookie that works with J-Bone, introduces himself as Isaiah, then he sticks Hookie's hand in a liquid nitrogen tank and then smashes it with a hammer in order for Hookie to spill his guts about Jane and Spider and where he could find Jane. Meanwhile... Jane is hooked up to a bunch of monitors while Spider scans Johnny's brain. Jane wakes up, and when Spider is taking a look at Johnny, Spider thinks that he might not be able to salvage the info, but might be able to take out the implant. Johnny asks Spider if he knows Dr. Alcum, or Alcum, and Spider acts squirrely first, but then relents and drives them in a truck that looks like the truck from the Dawn of the Dead remake, and then he runs over the Preacher. That was actually a good, I, I quite enjoyed that line when he runs over Doc Lundgren's character and Johnny Keanu Reeves goes, who was that guy? He's like, you don't want to know. They didn't want to even come up with a weird explanation. Just like, that's what this world was, was the simplest thing. Just, yeah. you don't know who that guy is. Let's ignore it and keep going. Yeah, and, I and mean. Just murder a man. <laughs> sure. It would be repetitive because we just found out from J-Bone who he is. So from a storytelling standpoint, we'd have to hear that twice in a row. It, it reminded me of the scene in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles when the cab hits Raphael. It was, what was that? It was a giant turtle in a trench coat. 
you're going to LaGuardia, right? So it's, <laughs> I got I got that kind of vibe from it. He drives them to, I think, is supposed to be Grand Central Station, which is now some sort of makeshift clinic for virus-infected people. And then he says, Dr. Allcome, it turns out, is a code for all hands on deck and usually means there's a violent patient that needs to be subdued. He tells Johnny the message was meant for them. Spider tells Johnny to lie down on the table and starts trying to decrypt the code in Johnny's head. Spider fails, but says he could do surgery to remove the data physically, but will come with hazards to Johnny's motor skills, can kill him, but he tells him that he might die anyway. He tells Johnny that he has the cure for NAS in his head, which is the virus. The black shakes, if you will. He tells him the reason why people are trying to take his head because everybody wants the code at the expense of other countries having the code. I love how Johnny is pretty much a, a royal prick in this movie mm-hmm. right? because he's just like, well, well I'm, if I'm just going to die, I'm going to die. Like, well, yeah. I don't want this to happen. You you potentially have life saving information in your head, man. Just I think it's it's kind of sacrifice for the greater good here, perhaps. Yeah, he's a reluctant hero. Exactly. Yes. He's not much of a hero, but he's a reluctant one. He's not a very good hero. (laughs) So Spider tells Johnny that he is dead no matter what, but the cure will save millions and that a guy named Jones can help him. And then the preacher shows up, starts wrecking shit, trying to kill Johnny. But Jane saves Johnny and Spider jumps on his back, allowing Johnny and Jane to escape. And the preacher then tortures Spider to find out where they're going. We never see if he tells him, but we could kind of assume that he does. Johnny and Jane jump in Spider's truck, and Johnny makes a call to the security person again to set up the drop at the bridge, but it turns out it's actually Takahashi using some sort of avatar to make Johnny think he wasn't talking to Takahashi, but he doesn't really know who Takahashi is anyway, so... (laughs) It's done in the lamest way, too. He's using a hand puppet? Yeah. It's basically, you know, when you mock someone, like, oh, they're talking too much, blah, 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 blah. That's how they, it wasn't some cool like yeah. retrofitted thing like in um that Arnold Schwarzenegger movie Total uh, Recall Total Recall right when they have the the yeah. mechanical head mm-hmm. over him no it's a virtual hand puppet yeah it's essentially if an Instagram filter recognizes your hand as a face yeah <laughs> That's, that was it yeah and then Johnny falls for it. <laughs> They make it to the bridge and start shouting, but no one is around to hear. Eventually, two guards hear it, and they accidentally wind up dropping a rigged wrecked car on Spider's car, exploding on impact, and Johnny is able to save Jane, pushes her out of the way just in time. And then Johnny has a diatribe about how much he wants room service, and we get the moment here. He's basically a spoiled guy that has never had to worry about anybody but himself. Now he's faced with having the power to save the world, and he doesn't know what to do with it probably this is a characterization that probably comes a little late in this movie Mm. yeah he's kind of a jerk throughout it but this is where we really find out he's spoiled yeah Uh, that would have been nice to know immediately yeah and he goes on and on about how he wants you know room service silk sheets hot showers wake-up calls all that kind of stuff i guess he's you know through his work he's been living in and out of hotels his whole life i suppose i'm pretty sure he uh he mentions a high-class prostitute as well. Yes, he does. Yeah, like ten thousand dollar hooker or something like that. Yeah, which I guess is the the in the the first scene. I assume that that's a hooker, right? More than likely, yeah. Yeah. And she asks a lot of questions. Now that I think about it, <laughs> right, that's not really their job. Right. That's why it's like, well, is this a one-night stand or is this a uh, continuous relationship? Yeah. And then he was expecting her to stay. <laughs> right. 
You're my number one customer, Johnny. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I'm just going to go get some ice. I'll be right back. Like, no, Where'd we have go? ice. Stick around. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, only that's... paid for the hour. <laughs> <laughs> that That's in the sequel. Yeah. J-Bone comes down to greet them and brings them up on an elevator. And then Johnny has an information overload seizure. J-Bone and Jane help Johnny as he passes out. Jeez, fucking J-names. Yeah, it's, it gets tough. Yeah. Meanwhile, Takahashi loads a gun and he's prepared to meet Johnny at the bridge. Johnny almost has visions of his past, and then he and Jane make out. But then J-Bone interrupts them, telling him it's time to meet Jones. J-Bone shows Johnny the hacking system that his hideout has that uses TV frequencies to get their message out. And then he introduces to Jones, who is a dolphin. Jones has been engineered to scan for enemy submarines, and they've kind of retrofitted him to send out these signals. I don't really 100% understand how they're using Jones. <laughs> idea, like, how did they think to do that as well, right? Like, whose idea was it? Like, oh, let's get a dolphin in here to uh, kind of bypass all of these encrypted, password-protected areas. Like, I'm sure you could have found a person to do that. <laughs> It's pretty stupid. Yeah. This wasn't just any dolphin, Dan. Jones was in the Navy. Oh, that's right. <laughs> he's a war hero. He's a war hero. <laughs> I was going to say, he's a serviceman. He uh, Purple Heart and all that. Does this count as animal cruelty? It has I, to. I mean, yeah, probably. <laughs> they, they keep him in a fish tank. He's not doing much moving. Right. He's probably like 30% dolphin at this point, though. <laughs> it, like the same percentage of tuna cans. Right. <laughs> they, they, they literally man they literally could have come up with any other explanation you could have had like a cerebro type of machine or like a zordon type of thing going on here you know like just a face in the ether who can actually communicate with the other characters but no you, you someone threw dolphin out there and everyone else agreed that's what we're going with somebody probably read a story about the U.S. military, like, using dolphins or something to track for landmines or something like that. And it was like, well, what if they were cyber dolphins? <laughs> instead of hunting for mines, <laughs> they help you crack encrypted data. And underwater dolphins are mines. so smart, man. It's just, I think they could have, and it could have been any type of, of animal, really. I Like, I get dolphins are smart, but, like, why not a chimp? <laughs> <laughs> right, that a makes a little more sense, right? Away at the computer, right? Cause, a room right, full of chimps, right? <laughs> a room full of chimps, <laughs> right? Yeah, just yeah, you just have a you know a smart chimpanzee just clicking away like it's not working, T Bone, it's or J Bone, it's not working. We can't get past the firewall. Yeah, of course those <laughs> dolphins probably trained to find wa- underwater mines, landmines would be useless. Yes. <laughs> that would be tough. We need you to find this. I, I was I hoping I would slide by. <laughs> Thought we wouldn't notice, but we did. I we all understand what you were going for, but yeah, uh, yeah. that's like <laughs> the image of dolphins it. flopping around trying to find landmines in the Middle East, <laughs> just exploding. Like, all right, found well, one. Found one. <laughs> <laughs> Get the oh, other dolphin dang. in here. <laughs> you know, Why am I laughing at that? That's terrible. Well, <laughs> well, because that's not. I wouldn't put that past our military. That's why. <laughs> launching over from a giant catapult yeah <laughs> well best of luck roxanne <laughs> i don't know if anyone's gonna get that reference is it a zeus and roxanne zeus and roxanne yeah <laughs> i think roxanne was the dolphin i i think and zeus was the the dog that just makes sense right who names a dolphin zeus yeah yeah it's not like it's poseidon right 
Yeah, that would make a little more sense. But yeah, again, it's just of all the strange things that have done in this movie, this is by far the strangest. Yes. I think we just wrote the thing to make this better. Is <laughs> a room full of chimps. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say launching no, dolphins no. from catapults to try and find landmines. <laughs> I was bringing the podcast back to before my mistake. <laughs> I, I I could see like generals with a uh, battleship type of map. Uh, B eight. Boom. Yeah, we got one. And then Takahashi arrives with an arsenal and mend. J-Bone's plan is to hook Johnny up to an experimental system that will feed his brain codes in order to crack the download codes. They hook Johnny up and they try to break into his brain with the help of Jones or something. I don't know. (laughs) Meanwhile, Takahashi and his men are infiltrating the base. They kill some men, but J-Bone's men kill one, two. So they just start firing bazookas at J-Bone's hideout just like a hundred times or so. They have to stop the scan, and J-Bone tells Johnny he's got to hack his own brain while J-Bone and his men fend off the Yakuza. Takahashi lands on the roof and infiltrates the base. He meets up with Johnny and Jane, shoots at Jane, who escapes. The ghost of the machine tells Takahashi that Pharmacon lets his daughter die because it was more profitable, so he starts hacking at the computer cables with a samurai sword. And then he's shot and killed by Shinji. Shinji and Johnny fight eventually almost falling off the top of J-Bone's fortress. Johnny uses Shinji's wire on him and cuts his head off. The preacher makes it to Jane, and they start fighting. Meanwhile, J-Bone's men and the Yakuza continue to fight. Johnny races back down and runs into Takahashi, who gives him another one of the picture codes and dies. Preacher is about to kill Jane, but Johnny stops him, and then they fight. So he starts to beat up Johnny, but Jane turns Jones' satellite dishes on the Preacher, and Jones uses his ultra-frequency waves to basically explode the preacher. Once again, Jones is a dolphin. <laughs> <laughs> I like how the uh, the brain waves or the, the waves are clearly visible, too. <laughs> I don't know if they know how waves work, but they're invisible. <laughs> yes. I, I, I get you're supposed to be like, show. I guess you're trying to show it, yeah. but and we're supposed to suspend uh, reality here, but... I mean, if you're getting hung up on that when there's a cybernetic dolphin in the tank behind the scene. Now, Jones. <laughs> if, if that's him, the Jones. line. You're, you've been with the dog. Yeah, dolphin. With the, yeah, oh. They showed the sound waves. Boo. <laughs> Unrealistic. No stars. It's like when people watch Star Wars. Like It's like Neil when Neil deGrasse Tyson watches Star Wars and he's like, well, that explosion wouldn't make noise in space. Right, like, right. fuck you, man. Space is a vacuum. <laughs> it's like space wizards. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. They're also, they could they can send their doppelganger through different worlds and stuff like that. Let's try to suspend reality a little bit. <laughs> the Yakuza defeated. J-Bone turns a system back on. The woman in the computer tells Johnny to find the last image. And then they sit Johnny back down in the chair to find the last of the code. J-Bone sends a message across the airwaves, and then they send Johnny into the internet with some amazing graphics, like some reboot shit, man. (laughs) I think this is what they teach, like, beginners now for Mm -hmm. computer graphics. Yeah. Yeah. That's essentially what this scene is. Yeah, I love Ice-T's line in this, where he goes, don't worry, that was the double. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, Johnny, no, no, don't worry. That's like some MTV... 1980s bullshit oh yeah this totally looks like i want my mtv music yeah video. 
It's like Devo. Yeah. So Johnny's in the internet, and I don't even know what the fuck is happening in this scene. <laughs> Johnny hacks his brain, I suppose, and then Jones comes to help him out. Once again, Jones is a dolphin. <laughs> he's a special dolphin, man. And he successfully finds the final image, which is the woman in the computer. So everything starts to get downloaded, and the cure gets broadcast around the world, and they unlock Johnny's memories. And surprise, surprise, the woman in the computer was his mom the whole time. Then Johnny unhooks and collapses, but then he's fine, and he hugs Jane. And J-Bone looks out on the skyline and sees the Pharmacom headquarters set ablaze. And there's a fake-out of the preacher coming back to life, but he's dead. And then Johnny and Jane look out onto the skyline, and it was completely ripped off for Fight Club. Yeah, oh, 100%. That's <laughs> that's what Jen said. We're like, oh, so it's Fight Club. And then that's the end of Johnny Mnemonic. <laughs> it's a I, big, w- dumb movie. <laughs> I, I was waiting for you to say uh, Johnny and Jane look out into the poorly put uh, green screen effect. <laughs> it is a big, dumb movie. It's It's boring as sin. Yeah. I was waiting for the comedy effect of while they're looking out into the town, Jones splashes them with water. <laughs> Jones. <laughs> That's our Jones. I bet you I bet you more than anything, they wanted so badly to have a Jones spin-off movie. Johnny Mnemonic was filmed in front of a studio audience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh I give it credit for its idea. It's an interesting thought process and the idea that people are smuggling data in their minds is it's cool i think deep down it's a cool idea but it's just it's so misguided this movie i don't yeah, think he, it really landed what it wanted to do mm-hmm. yeah, and even taking it a step further from what you were saying dan just and also the idea that the data in his head is the cure for a disease is a yeah. good it's not like some trade secrets or a way to make money it's a very white hat black hat sort of hacking mm-hmm. i was hoping that someone at one point in the movie would say something about a black hat. Yeah, it's it's very much that. Henry Rollins gets pretty close mm-hmm. when he's asking for the information at the hospital, saying, you know, this is for millions will be saved if we take this out of your head. It seems like a premise that had a bad uh, screenwriter or bad notes from the studio when they read through the writer's draft. Something happened along the way where they had a good idea of a smuggling system where people smuggle things through their head and there's this worldwide disease and the data is the cure for it and, you know, all this corpo stuff. And, you know, and then they were just like, oh, we have to write another hour of a movie around all this. Uh, so, um, yeah. There's a dolphin in there. Yeah, there's a, there's a dolphin. And, uh, yeah, I- Ice teased the head of a rebel gang. They didn't know how to complete the movie or complete the idea mm-hmm. yeah i don't really know what much to say about this movie it suffers from the fact that we watched robocop last week and that movie just does everything so much better the worlds that they build are trying to be similar but robocop does it in such a better way and in such a more entertaining way i think that's really what su- what johnny mnemonic suffers from it's just not entertaining at all <laughs> yeah yeah and again uh i think i agree with mark i think Ice T is probably the the best part of this movie. Yeah, and and he's not all that great in it. No, I think I think Dolph Lundgren has the potential. I think that could have been an interesting character, but and he also he's lifts not, right out. He's not in it. Yeah, he he means nothing to the plot. Right. Yeah, he's, he's not in it enough either. He's like a sub boss. Yeah, but 
he's not as threatening, you know. At mm-hmm. least to me, it's just, he just seemed more of like a a mild nuisance. Yeah, it's yeah. I just I don't even know what I would do to make this better. <laughs> I like the idea of the the room full of uh, monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> like they're the ones who are controlling the the flow of information. <laughs> like oh my god, it's 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 really run by monkeys. It's, it's such a stupid reveal. It really yeah. is. I I'm can only imagine what people did in the movie theaters when that reveal happened. Right. Did like did they realize they had been conned out of their money? Yeah. Like, oh, God, like, and Jones doesn't really come into it as a a name that you need to know until three quarters of the way into the movie too. Like right. they treat they treat it like it's this big reveal, like like the third like the third man. They do that like uh, Harry Lime and the third man is like this. Everybody talks about Harry Lime through the first and second act, and then. He's finally revealed as who is Orson Welles in like the, the end of the second act. And that's like the big that's like the ha- the best way that someone's ever really done that kind of reveal. Right. And they treat it like that sort of reveal. But it's like we've learned the name Jones two scenes prior. Yeah. Like it should have been set up in the beginning. It was like, oh, Jones, you got to see Jones, man. If there's only one way to get to to get this out and it's to see Jones. It's almost like going to the Wizard of Oz, you know. Right. The, yes. the Wizard of Oz can get you home. Yes. That should have been established immediately. Not, oh, maybe we could pull it out this way, or maybe we could get it out this way. I, I mean, I like the idea that the seepage, that's cool. Like, you got to get this stuff out of you, or you're dead. But, yeah, to have all these pit stops along the way that really amount to nothing, it's it's just a drag. Mm-hmm. It's a movie that has interesting ideas, but it's just poorly executed. That's really what it's, it comes down to. It's the techno babble. I think yeah. there, there's a lot of techno babble. It's like Star Trek. Like we, they're talking about how they have to fix the phase on crystals and all that. And you're like, well, no one knows what the fuck you're talking about. And the same thing here. No one knows what you're really talking about. It's 1995. No one gets the Internet just yet. So they're just kind of making it up as they go along. Yeah. You want to plug your shit? Sure. At the Aquino 122. It's my personal Twitter account. And follow Stranger Damies at Stranger Damies. I almost said at strangerdamies.com, but that wouldn't make sense. Uh, at strangerdamies on Twitter and Instagram, and uh, that's it. Yeah. So and then Stranger Damies, our D&D podcast, as Dan mentions, airs um, every Wednesday. We're in a little bit of a hiatus. We should be coming out of it soon. Um, by the time this episode airs, going to be getting pretty close. So just keep an eye on the Twitter for an exact date on all of that. We are switching to doing some live streaming, so. That leads me right into, um, you'll be able to watch that on twitch.tv slash Pod. The Vault Podcast is our gaming podcast. It airs every other Monday. And then we stream four nights a week, Wednesday, Thursday, and then either Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday and Monday. Be sure to check us out then. Once again, that's twitch.tv slash Pod. And yeah, we're going to have some exciting stuff coming forward. Campaign 2 of Stranger Damies. I'm excited. So... Be sure to check us out and follow us, like and subscribe and all that good stuff. Okay, great. And we are They Called Us a Movie. You can find us on Spreaker by searching They Called Us a Movie. You can also find us on any podcast streaming app. So that's iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, you can find us there. We're the mainDamie.com. That's the main website where you can find articles, hypothetically, as well as Stranger Damies and more. 
And you could find us on all socials just by going to The Main Damey. Search for The Main Damey on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and you should find us. And we are also proud member of Geek Fives Nation. You can find that at gbnation.com and on all socials and podcast streaming apps just by searching for Geek Fives Nation. Tons of great shows on there. Tons of great people. they got articles. They've got reviews. we got interviews. Top 10 with Tia. Cutting the Sacred Cow. Uh, kind of Nerdy Girls. Uh, Scene and Nerd. Uh, Nick's show. I don't know the name of it, but it's there. Uh, Geek Vibes Live. Dan's done a bunch of those shows. A uh, bunch of great shows. If you're into geek stuff, there is surely a show for you. And that's going to wrap it up this week. This has been Johnny Mnemonic, and the director of Johnny Mnemonic is Robert Longo. So, for Dan Aquino and Mark Myers, this is Anthony Del Vecchio telling Robert Longo, well, you certainly made a movie, didn't you?